Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Okay, here I am, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and we have a special shout out today from Laurel. Go ahead. All right, hi Gigi, Marianne, uh, shout out to Marianne, okay? So uh, I told you we'd give you a special one. So thank you, Laurel. <laughs> all right, so uh, also, in addition to this sermon, don't forget about the prophecy series that I've started. I did Mark 13, Matthew 24, now in the book of Daniel, and then right from Daniel going to the book of Revelation. If you want to go on that, you can just go on our podcast site, www.newhopechurchpa.org, or else the YouTube, which some of you are probably watching right now, YouTube on the side or on the, on the podcast, it's right under the sermons, sermons, it's regular sermons and uh, prophecy sermons, and then for this one here, on the YouTube on the side, there's a place where you can look at the worship or the tidbits, but also the prophecy sermons. I want to encourage you, or it's also on iTunes also. There's three different locations. You can go iTunes and you can follow along the prophecy series. Uh, lots of connections with what's going on today, and we're going to end up. The reason we're doing Daniel first is because it, it's, it really prepares us for the book of Revelation. So if you haven't started on that series, start working your way through. I think we got about 14 of them done. going to do some more here. Today, or tomorrow, I'm going to do some more, so I'm going to have them on there, all right? Okay, so today, though, we are in 2 Kings 5. 2 Kings 5, if you want to turn your Bibles, and the title is Naaman the Leper, the Walking Dead. Naaman the Leper, who is the Walking Dead. All right, going to be a little scary here. Now, the coronavirus, as you know, it has rocked our world. It's unprecedented worldwide shutdown and also worldwide fear. It's unbelievable. It's crazy what has happened. People are terrified of each other. These people see each other, and if you don't, you forget your mask somewhere, everybody's ah, stay away. You know, it's, it's like this craziness, right? Kim has told me stories about just even with her mask on, getting too close to someone accidentally at the supermarket and people freaking out. It's, it's pretty scary. But probably we all have gotten coronavirus or, or going to get it. It appears inevitable that we're all going to get infected somehow. Thankfully, 99% of the people at least will be okay. Uh, the numbers aren't in completely, but it looks like 99% are going to be okay. But long before the coronavirus... There was another terrible disease that the, you weren't going to be okay. It was much worse by far than the coronavirus, as we'll see today. Let's pray first. Father, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word. We pray for your mercy and grace for this to happen. We pray that your word would not return empty, but would accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you sent it. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, what's, I'm going to read, this is going to take us a while to get through 2 Kings 5, a number of sermons, but uh, you'll see why. It's just an amazing, amazing story for us today, and I'm just going to read the first half of the chapter here. Now, verse 1, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would go see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. 
Naaman went to see his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. <laughs> oh, we're going to have fun with this when we get to that part. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robe and said, Am I a god? Can I, can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow, some, fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel for me. Like I said, we're going to have fun with this, this, this passage when we get there. Verse 8, When the Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message, Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me. And he will know there is a prophet, that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan, Seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. Oh, we're going to dig into this. This is going to be... Oh, I'm going to tell you right up front. We're going to spend six weeks on this chapter. There's more. I only read half the chapter. It is powerful. But we're not even going to get past the first verse today. Listen to just the first verse. Now, Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. But he had leprosy. Naaman was a leper. He was a great man in the sight of the world. He had it all. He had it all. He had fame. He had power. He had success. He had riches. As we you saw all the money he brought with him, he had riches. But none of that mattered because he was a leper. He was a leper. Leprosy in biblical times referred to a wide variety of skin diseases. The worst form was terrifying. This is the form that he had. And this is the form that you usually hear about in the Bible. It was really a nerve disease. We think of it as a skin disease, but it wasn't. It was a nerve disease. It killed the nerve endings, which affected the skin and everything else. There was no pain. People didn't feel pain, so they would lose their fingers. They would burn it in the fire or cut it off, cutting something, cut their finger. They wouldn't know. They, they didn't have any pain. Lose fingers, lose toes, lose their ears, their nose, their lips. Little by little, they were rubbed off till they were just nubs. William Barclay had a, has a great illust, uh, description of leprosy. I'm just going to read some of it this week, next week some more. <clears throat> he said, The whole appearance of the face is changed till the man loses human appearance. 
he, he, the modules grow larger. They ulcerate. The voice becomes hoarse and the breath wheezes because the vocal cords are ulcerated. The hands and the feet always ulcerate. Slowly the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growth. The average course of the disease is nine years and ends in mental decay, a coma, and ultimately death. The sufferer becomes utterly repulsive both to himself and to others. This is the leper, the walking dead. The walking dead. They know it's just a matter of time. They're going to die. They're, they're the walking dead. It was terrible. It was a terrifying disease. A terrifying disease. It still is in some places in, in the world, although there is now a cure and most of us are immune to leprosy in this, in this late date. But even as late as 1960, people in the U.S., were were ostracized for catching leprosy. They were ostracized. It reminds me of what happened when AIDS first hit hit here. And you remember what happened before we knew how you really caught it or how to prevent it or how to treat it? Remember what happened with Magic Johnson and the uproar that caused and how he had to... <coughs> excuse me. How he had to retire. Uh, that That's very similar to that. It's really like... Um, it's really like the coronavirus today. So many are terrified of it, right? Or of just a possibility. And imagine if you see somebody with it, if that person who has it were to walk into the supermarket, everybody like flying out of there, freaking out, screaming, it'd be a riot, right? And that's, that's really kind of the, that same picture. Imagine if you have it, which is crazy, because with a coronavirus, most of us already had it and don't even know it. They're finding that out. Uh, and and once you're cured of it, you don't have to be afraid of the person. But sadly, there's this paranoia about someone who has had the coronavirus and even the way they're treating them, which I hope none of you are doing that. So leprosy, though, in the Bible times, was a death sentence. The person became a social and religious outcast. A social and religious outcast. Listen to a couple of verses here. Leviticus 13.3 says this. The priest is to examine the sore on his skin, and if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is an infectious disease. When the priest examines him, he shall pronounce him ceremonially unclean. Unclean. He was no longer allowed to go into the temple for worship. He was cut off from the worship of God. Wow. And then in verses, chapter 13, verses 45 to 46, listen to this. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkept, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has this infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Imagine they have this unclean, unclean. You have to scream that if anybody comes near you, covering your 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 mouth because it spread. If anyone was in shouting distance, unless it was another leper, you had to scream unclean, unclean because it was spread through the air. They would cover their mouth. If they were to sneeze or cough, it would be spread, and they had to cover their face just like everybody wearing their masks. Uh, you know, uh, although. We're starting to relax on that finally, but that's that's the same picture, right? This was Naaman. This was Naaman. This is each one of us because we, because we are Naaman. 
Leprosy is a picture of sin. We might not have leprosy. We might not even have the coronavirus. But we all have the sin disease. We all have this disease. This is a type, a picture of what sin does to us. All disease is ultimately the result of sin because Adam and Eve sinned. They let sin into the world and death and disease came in. It's all ultimately the result of sin, including the coronavirus. It's ultimately the result of sin. And some... Plagues are a special sin from uh, a special punishment from for sin, a national sin. Some plagues are like that. If you haven't had a chance to listen to my sermon, uh, the coronavirus connecting the dots, connecting the dots to the USA uh, and beyond. So, want to encourage you to listen to that. You'll see what I'm talking about. But this leprosy, specifically, biblically, is a graphic picture. A type used by God for sin, for sin. Because the leprosy defiles the whole body and that's, and it breaks up the fellowship with God and man. They couldn't go to the temple and they had to be cut off from everybody. And that's exactly what sin does. It defiles the whole body. It breaks intimacy with man and God and it's repulsive to God. Sin is incredibly repulsive. We lose sight of that. We think God doesn't really care. Any sin is repulsive to the holy God. God is holy. Everybody says, God's loving, God's loving. Well, he's loving, but first he's holy. Second, he's just. And third, he is loving. But that follows the holiness and justice which come first. And we'll get to that more and more as we go through this whole study. But it's repulsive to God. I was trying to think of a picture of that. And and I thought of the billy goats on the farm. We didn't only have one at a time. They stunk. You always hear about skunks smelling so bad. Listen, skunks have nothing on billy goats. Billy goats stink. They're cute when they're little, the little billy goat. You know, we play with it and have fun with it. But then it starts to smell, and he's off on his own. We keep him tied up somewhere in his little pen, and he's not allowed out. He's, he's way over there because you can't, you can't imagine how bad a billy goat smells. And I remember I wanted goats. I wanted goats, and so uh, I got a billy goat, and it was a lot of fun, and I wanted more goats, so we had girl goats and ended up with lots of goats, but uh, they're so cute when they're little, and so, but the thing was, the billy goat stunk, but my mom and dad said, that's your responsibility, you wanted that goat, and if you want more little goats, you have to put up with the billy goat, you're going to have to take care of them, and he stunk, I hated that goat, I hated getting anything near him, and one time, it was in the morning, my mom called into the house, said, Chucky, go get your goat. It was before the bus was got there. He says, go get your goat. He got out. You got to put him in. I'm not touching him. <laughs> I went out and I was trying to be careful, but you know, I grabbed his collar and all this stuff and put him back in his pen and locked it up. And I went back in the house and everyone, Ugh! and I, so I'm going to get in the shower. I threw my clothes in the wash. I got in the shower wash, came out, still smelled. I could not get it off me. I did not have to go to school. Oh. I don't know what I was thinking. I should have gone out and catch the goat every morning. But anyway, it was I was so mad I could not get the smell off, and and, and he just smelled so bad. And and I'll I remember too. We had this little pygmy billy goat later on, and we had this big youth event for the youth group, the haunted woods, a haunted ride out in the woods. We always, the youth group, all the youth groups would come to our farm and we'd put on this haunted ride. The youth groups would put this on. The youth pastors would get together and and do this, the youth groups. And they used our woods because we knew them all and it was a cool place. And there's an old winding path through the woods and they they wanted to use the goat. Well, they 
got it. My dad got it down there. He didn't touch it, but somehow he got it down there. But they did this whole big hayride and everything was done. And then when it was all done, he's like, okay, now I got to get it back to the house and I'm not touching it. So he's like, uh, who will bring the billy goat back? And most people do not to get near the billy goat. But there's one guy named Denny. You're going to hear lots of Denny stories. It's a stacking corn story. You'll hear that again. Not too long. I think I'm going to tell that soon. Uh, but Denny was a real character. And my dad said, whoever will take the billy goat back to the house, I'll give five dollars to. And Denny's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so he goes over and picks up the goat. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking, but he gets, someone was going to give him a ride in their car and he gets into the car and they open the windows and they're all, and, and here's Denny going back. He carried his, on the goat, little pygmy goat on his lap all the way back to the farm puts it back in the pen, and nobody wanted to go near him. Nobody wanted to give him a ride home. You know, he smelled, oh, I know he smelled for days. It was crazy, like picking up a skunk. And, oh, that was funny. And they're, they're the most repulsive, I still kid Denny whenever I see him about that, uh, and they were the most repulsive creatures. Not Denny, the goat. <laughs> uh, the, the, these goats, they're repulsive. I, I'm not even going to tell you what they do, but... They're disgusting. They're disgusting, Billy Goats. And, and nobody wants, you know, we just don't want to go near him. If you get near him, oh, it's a disgusting creature. But that's what we are to God. Because of sin, we are repulsive to the holy God. What we do is disgusting. He loves us, but he's disgusted. What we, what, we're like Billy Goats to him. And, and it's disgusting. And leprosy is a visible picture of that. Leprosy is a visible picture of sin and its effects. God picked it for a reason. It's the perfect example of what sin does to us. It's the effect of, on ourself, on others, and most importantly, on our relationship with God. It's a visible picture. Leprosy was incurable. If you got it, it was a death sentence. Only a miracle could cure you, and they were few and far between. Well, we're going to see some next week in the Bible. Only a miracle could save the victim, just like with sin. Only a miracle could save us, as we're going to talk about a little bit. Like, like the leper, though, we lose because of sin, we lose sensitivity to sin and we lose sensitivity to the effect of sin and we don't see what it's doing to us, how it's destroying us, how it's maiming us, how it ultimately kills us. We lose sensitivity to that. And you can look, we could see an addict of some kind destroying themselves, but we all are doing that with sin. We are spiritual lepers. That's what's happening to us because of sin and we don't see it. In fact, in James 1 verse 14 and 15, it says, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Now get this. Then after desire is conceived, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The granddaddy of them all. You know, it finally, it finally gives birth to, to sin. Sin gives birth to death. Desire, sin, and then death. That, 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 that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate result of it. It's destroying us, ultimately killing us. And this was Naaman. This is us. It's vital to understand this because we're gonna, as we go through the rest of the story, this is vital to understanding the rest of the story the next few weeks as we go through this. This is us. I'm going to read it again. 2 Kings 5, 1, where it says, Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man. 
in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. But he had leprosy. Naaman was a great man. He had all that the world could offer, but he had nothing because he was the walking dead. He was the walking dead. His outward accomplishments and riches looked great to the world. They all thought it looked great. But inwardly, he was being eaten away by a terrible disease that would expose itself at any time. It would poison his life and ultimately kill him. He was the walking dead. The walking dead. It, it, would, it, was, it was destroying him. It reminds me of uh, Michael Jordan in his last dance documentary. I don't know if you've been watching it. There's nothing else to watch. Everybody's watching, right? There's no other sports on. But I'm watching this and this guy has everything. Everything. But as I'm coming to the end of this documentary, 10 episodes, he has nothing. Nothing. You talk about an empty life. Why? Because he needs Jesus Christ. He needs Jesus Christ. Michael Jordan, I dare you to try Jesus. I think you're too afraid to do it. Why am I saying that? Because he, he hates to be challenged. <laughs> and he may just become a Christian because I just ch- said he couldn't. All right. <laughs> I hope it works, Michael. Uh, but but, his, but I'm, I'm watching this documentary and his life is empty. Even for Michael Jordan, everything he has, his life is empty without Jesus Christ. Because only Jesus can fill the hole in our soul. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can fill the hole in our soul. We are all Michael Jordans. We don't have the money and success, but, but we all have that hole in our soul and we're miserable until we find Jesus Christ. We are all Naaman. We are all Naaman. We have this inward corruption called sin. We are the walking dead. The walking dead. Ephesians, do you think you don't, you're, you don't think this applies to you? Ephesians 3. Uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Verses 1 through 3, listen to what it says here. As for you, you were dead. I'm going to say it again. You were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Satan had us by the throat. All right, verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We were all the walking dead. Every one of us. I hope that you won't finish this without, without finding life. But all of us were there. Every one of us. Sin steals our peace. It steals our joy. It steals our God-given purpose. It poisons our relationship. That's what sin does. It, 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 des- it destroys us. And ultimately, it will kill us physically and spiritually. It will separate us from God eternally if we don't get our healing. Hang on. Hang on to your hats here. It will, it will separate us from God eternally. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us 
fall short of God's glory, His perfection, His holiness. We cannot go near God. We got, we're carrying a billy goat around. We cannot go near Him. We're carrying something worse than a billy goat. It's called sin. It's spiritual leprosy. We have it. We can, we, but a lot of people say, well, I'm not that bad. You talk to, I talk to people all the time about God and sin and Jesus. And a lot of times they get this, I'm not that bad. I'm not, God's going to let me into heaven someday. Listen, listen, we, you are not, we are bad. We are bad. One sin is enough to keep us out of heaven. Think of thousands and millions of them. It, it, Romans, I just read Romans 3.23. Romans 3.10-18. through 18, Listen to this. This says what we are. This is you. This is me. This is all of us without Jesus Christ. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have be together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery marks the, mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is a description of the human race. Every one of us, we are the walking dead. We are disgusting to God. We, he cannot let us into heaven. And, and everybody, oh, every, you talk, most people think they're going to heaven. Without, with or without Jesus, they think they're going to heaven because I'm not that bad. We are di disgusting. Another farm story. If you've been listening to the prophecy sermon, I just told this recently, but it just fit perfectly, and I know a lot of you haven't heard that, so I'm going to tell it again here. But another farm story to sh show how disgusting we are in God's sight. I remember I was uh, one of the jobs I had was to go get the cows out of the pasture. We had to bring them in, and we had to go through the barnyard out to the pasture, and then round them up, and bring them back in. Come bus, come bus, come bus, bring them back in. Right? We used to call them. Uh, I'm not going to do the whole thing. But anyway, we used to call them in. They'd come running in. They knew they were going to get fed. And then we tricked them because then we we're going to milk them. But uh, that wasn't as much fun for them. But we had to go through the barnyard. And one day I was going to go do this. And I can't remember how old I was. Maybe I was 12. And, I, and there was a little buddy. One of my little buddies from the neighborhood used to help me out. His name was Peter. Uh, I'm not going to use his last name because he'll kill me. He's a lot bigger than me now. But then he was smaller. And Pete... Uh, he wanted to help me. And I said, well, okay, you can help me. I'll go get the cows. Let's go through the barn there. But walk where I walk. Follow me because there's some bad spots. There was spots where the cement had broken up or, or the manure had seeped in and created little little spots where you could sink up to your knees. And a lot of my friends would sink up to their knees and lose a shoe or get their boots stuck. or that was ugh, They were disgusted. But there was one spot that was really bad. Right between on the one place on the barnyard, there was an underground spring. And the manure would run off into this underground spring and it had created a bog, a little bog, not too big, a couple feet around. And, and it, was, it was dangerous because there was about a couple feet between the, where the cement stopped and where the electric fence was. The cows stayed away from it. We all stayed away from it. Once in a while, our friend would lose a shoe in there. But one time, I remember we were trying to figure out how deep it went. We got this big stick, I don't know, seven, eight feet deep, and we pushed it down and it just kept going and going. We never reached the bottom. This was a quick sand pit. Only it wasn't sand, it was manure. Quick manure, right? It would just kept on going. And we knew to stay away from it. So I said, Pete, go with me. Follow where I walk, where I walk. And I start walking across the, the barnyard and I get past the barnyard and I hear, Chucky, help me. And I turn around. Pete had not walked where I walked. He hadn't found me. He's 
doing his little know-it-all thing that day, and he, he walked right along the fence and went right into the bog, into the quicksand, the quick manure. He was sinking up to his knees. I went running over because I knew what was going to happen. I went running over and I grabbed a hold of him. By the time I got a hold of him, he was up to his waist in this manure, liquid manure. And, and I'm pulling on him and I'm pulling on him. And, and, and uh, he's fighting and trying to fight. And, you know, he should have just laid back. If you get stuck in quicksand, the rule is just lay back quietly. Just lay. Don't, don't struggle. You'll float. But he didn't know that. And and I didn't know that. We were just freaking out. We were trying to get him out. And, and I'm pulling and pulling. And it's sucking him in. The more he struggles, the more it is sucking him. And it's up to his stomach now, up to his chest. And and, and he's screaming. And, and then I'm screaming. I'm like, help, help. Because I could not get him out. I started slipping down the side. But I'm not going down. I, but, I, but I'm up to my knees and up to my thighs, sledding. And I'm sitting on the cement, trying not to go down. I'm trying to get him out. And and, and he's going in. And now all only showing showing was his arm arm and his head. He was being sucked into this manure. And my mom heard us screaming. Thank you, mom. And she heard us screaming and she said, what is that Chucky up to now? You know? And uh, anyway, she, she comes out and I'll never forget, she, I see her in the barn door and she's like, boing! And I was like, boing! You know, she's like, oh great, I'm going to lose the farm. This is a lawsuit, right? You lose the kid in the manure pit. And so she, she comes running out and, and she liked Peter too. That too. Uh, so she comes out and she, and she grabs me and starts pulling me and I'm pulling Peter and we were working on it and screaming and yelling and pulling and thought, little by little the manure pit gave him up. Let him get, spit him out. It took us a while, but we finally, she got me out, then we both got an arm, we got him out. It took a long time. We get him out, and he was covered from head to toe with manure. It was disgusting. And he was crying, and he was upset. I said, Don't cry, B. I'll get you cleaned up. I'll get you cleaned up. So I took him around in front of the barn where there was a hose, and right in front of the milk house, and I had him stand there, and I started spraying him, spraying him. Oh, I was just spraying him. It was disgusting. And then I, then I never forget, he was, it was inside his shirt, so I put it inside of his shirt and started spraying, and it was coming out of his pant legs. But, I'm really only getting like half of it, right? He's covered with manure and he's crying and I'm spraying him. And if I say, okay, let's get you home, Pete. You look pretty good. I can't go. My grandma will kill me. His grandma's babysitting him and, and he was not supposed to be in the manure. Uh, he was supposed to be doing something else, but he's like afraid to go home because he's like, my grandma's going to kill me. This was back in the day when you could, you know, Use the switch. And, uh, uh, and, uh, they still do on the farm. Well, anyway, they, she's like, I'm not going, he's like, I'm not going home. My grandma's going to kill me. She was babysitting him for the day. And, and, and I'd be like, Pete, don't worry. She's just going to be glad you're alive. She's just going to be glad you're alive. And I remember walking along the creek, going over toward his house. And then we get to the road to cross. And he's like, I don't want to kill my grandma's going to kill me. He was crying. I'm like, Pete, she's just going to be glad you're alive. Believe me, she's just gonna be glad to see you that you're still breathing. And and we and we and, uh, keep saying this, and he keeps crying. I keep saying this. We get up to the door, and he slashes up onto the porch. <laughs> He'll even get trail of manure and water, and oh, it was just, he was disgusting. And but his hair was—I got most of it out of his hair, but and off his face. But uh, and uh, so we get to the door, and he's crying. I'm like, Pete, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And I rang the doorbell, and I ran. Because I knew she was going to kill him. And I didn't want to get killed too. She would kill me too. Back in the day, you could even hit the neighbor's kids. But, uh, <clears throat> so I, I ran because he was going to, she wasn't going to let him in the house. Why was she going to, but that's the way his grandma saw him 
I'm sure, I wasn't there, is the way God sees us with sin on us. We are disgusting. We're horrible. We, we, we are, we, God's not going to let us into heaven with even one sin. It's abhorrent to him. Abhorrent. That's the bad news. That's the horrifying truth taught in God's words. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We have no chance outside of a miracle. But I have good news for you. I have great news for you. This, this today and the next couple weeks, I have great news for you. There is, there is great news. There is a cure for leprosy. There is a cure for leprosy. Physical and spiritual leprosy. There's, first of all, for the physical leprosy, there's a cure today for leprosy. They, they can actually cure someone who catches it, especially if they catch it early enough. But sadly, many lepers live in areas and regions of the world that they're unaware of that cure, and they suffer needlessly, even though there's a cure. There is also a cure spiritually. There's a spiritual cure for spiritual leprosy today. There was no cure in the time of Jesus for physical leprosy. There is today. There was no cure for spiritual leprosy in the time of Jesus. But there is now because of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is the cure. And, and just as a lot of people aren't aware of the physical cure and they suffer needlessly, many suffer needlessly with the spiritual leprosy because they, they, because they refuse the miracle cure. They refuse the miracle cure. They think they don't need it. They think I'm okay without it. They say, I don't really believe that. I, I'm okay. I don't need that. I, I'm, I'm good enough. God's going to let me into heaven. I keep talking about this. Romans 3.20. I read Romans 3, 10 to 18. But listen to verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. No one is going to be declared righteous by following the law, by being good enough. Nobody. No one. We cannot be good enough. There is only one cure. The very next verse, verse 21. Romans 3, 21. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement, at one That's what the three words put together make up because there was no English word to, to, to translate this Greek word. And there, but, but they put three words together, at one meant. We, God presented him as a sacrifice to make us at one with God again. How? Through faith in his blood. It's only by putting our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. What he did on that cross, he died in our place. He paid for the sin. He shed his own blood in our place to wash us clean. That is the that is the cure. There is only one cure. And Leviticus, the leper 
who hoped for a cure didn't go to a doctor to get a clean bill of health. Where did he go? He went to the high priest. Remember we read that, Leviticus 13. He went to the high priest. He, but he, he had to go to the high priest to, get be, to be declared clean because it was a spiritual picture. It was a physical disease, but it was a spiritual picture of sin. And God was sending us a message. Now today, we know from Hebrews that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. The final, the ultimate high priest. And the high priest would sacrifice a lamb to, to get the blood, for to sprinkle the blood. But our high priest, Jesus Christ, was not only the, is not only the high priest, but he was the lamb. He sacrificed himself on the cross. He sacrificed himself, and now he is the high priest, our high priest, who offers us cleansing through his sacrifice. It's his own blood that purifies us. It's his own blood that washes us. We, we hear so much about cures for the coronavirus, and there's vaccinations, and there's pills, and there's this, and there's that, all kinds of stuff. But one possible cure they've talked about is blood transfusions of someone who has survived the coronavirus, is now immune, they've, they've gone through it, they're immune, and we could take their blood somehow and use it as a transfusion. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. His blood is the transfusion. He gave his own blood, his own life. Think of someone who, who could save us with a coronavirus, but they would have to die in order to do it. We could, we, they could give their blood, but they would have to give so much that it would actually kill them. Could you imagine someone doing that? But that's what Jesus did. He gave his all of his blood. He sacrificed himself. He died on the cross in our place, and now we can have that blood to wash us, to purify us as, as a blood transfusion. We can now get, be immune to sin because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you ever been cured? Have you been cured of the real disease, the most terrible disease, far worse than any coronavirus, far worse than any physical leprosy, it's spiritual leprosy. It's the disease of sin. We all have it. Every one of us has this disease. We all have it. We're all under God's wrath. John 3.36 says, He who has the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't, you have God's wrath to look forward to for eternity. That's it. And there's only one cure. One cure to God's wrath. One cure to the disease sin. One cure to this spiritual leprosy. This abhorrent disease this, that we have. There's only one cure. John 3.16. How do we get the Son? John 3.16 tells us how we can have the Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his one and only Son. There's no one else. It's only Jesus. The only one. He gave him to die on a cross in our place to rise from the dead to give us new life. He gave him. And we need to believe in him. The word believe means to put our faith in. The Greek word is to completely trust in. To put our complete faith in. That's why it's that believe and faith are used interchangeably with that trans, with that that word is because that's what it means to be completely trust in believe in believe in our head and our heart and give our life to Jesus Christ. That's what it takes to be washed of this. We it's like if someone offers you a cure, you got to take it. 
You got to believe in it. You got to inject yourself with it. And that's what we have to do with Jesus. We have to inject into our hearts Jesus Christ and get our purification and our forgiveness and get a get new life again. Get our healing and get a, get a whole new life with Jesus Christ. Have you reached that cure? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ, given your life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. We're going to pray. But I want to say this even to the Christians, even those who have already put their faith in Jesus Christ. Are we, we got to be careful too because we can get cured of the leprosy, but it's easy to fall back into sin. It's easy to get, you know, re-catch, you know, get, get that cancer cell moving again in our body because we've given, given it some place in our life. We have to be on our guard against sin's stronghold. We don't have to worry about eternal judgment or wrath because we're God's children, but we got to worry about giving sin a place in our life and, and it can still maim us and, and hurt us and hurt other people and destroy us and break our fellowship, not our relationship, but our fellowship with God. Very important that we guard ourselves against sin's stronghold. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this, uh, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. Talking about anger there, but also we shouldn't give the devil a foothold. The, the idea of the toehold, we give him a foothold, and once he gets that foothold, he can get a lot more. And, and uh, the thing about a foothold or a toehold is it starts small. It starts small, just like sin. It starts small, but then it spreads quickly, just like sin, right? And then it takes over. And pretty soon, just like leprosy, it's taken over us. And that's what we can do if we just give it even a toll. That what leprous cell in our body needs zapping? What thought needs to be zapped? What sinful desire, James 1, needs to be zapped? What leprous wound needs healing? Something we've allowed to become a stronghold. What stronghold needs breaking in our life? And sec, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, talks about how to break that. And 2 Corinthians, uh, here, let me turn to it. I got it mostly memorized, but... Uh, I'll probably forget it halfway through. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, talking about strongholds in our life and how to break these strongholds. And listen to what it says here. 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Get that? We. I'm going to even read a little bit earlier though. Uh, on the contrary, verse 4, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We can demolish the strongholds. We can take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We now, through the blood of Jesus Christ, have the power to do that. But that's the key. Take the thought captive. It's all these bad things that we end up doing down the road. It's all because we didn't take the thought captive initially. That's the key. It's not fight off you know, the, the wound and not fight off this action. Get to the thought. Get to the, the, the desire in the heart. Get to that right there. Get to the root of it. We have to give that, take that thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. That's how we defeat the spiritual leprosy in our life. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? Maybe you've already put your faith in Christ, but you know there's still leprous spots underneath just waiting to break out because we've given 
Satan a stronghold, a foothold in our life. We've given sin a stronghold in our life. And there's only one way to break that. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What do we need to pray today? Say, God, I repent of this. I renounce it. I resist. I submit myself to you and resist the devil. I renew my mind. I remove anything in my life that, that is causing me to stumble or to sin. I remove anything or anyone in my life. Whatever it takes. Even if it's my cell phone, I'm going to get rid of it. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I want to be free. I want to live free. I want to live by your mercy and grace. And maybe as we're praying this, maybe there's something so strong got you so wrapped up that you need to talk to someone. Maybe it's a Christian counselor. Maybe it's a Christian friend that you can trust. Maybe it's your pastor. Somebody. We, because if something is so strong got us and we just are wrapped up in it, sometimes we need to confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed, James. We need to do that. What maybe while we're praying about that, I want to ask those who have never put their faith in Jesus Christ. You've never taken the first step to killing sin, to being forgiven, to being washed clean. That's the first step. You've never had your spiritual leprosy healed. The first step. You can have that right now. You can be cured of spiritual leprosy right this moment. You can be washed clean in God's presence right now. You can have that billy goat smell, that manure washed off completely by the blood of Jesus Christ. How? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You can have eternal life right now. And it starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus. You have a brand new life here, and it goes on through all of eternity. But it starts with the prayer of faith. God, please wash me. Forgive me. I repent. I walk away from that old life and the sin of my past. I want to be a new person in Jesus Christ. I put my faith in Him. I give my life to Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that every person here would know for sure they have put their faith in Jesus and given their life to Him. They become a new person by your power, by your miraculous power. And I pray that any of us are struggling with something that's starting to creep in and take over or even has is, is caused incredible shame or, or hurt, that we would get our freedom, we would get our forgiveness as Christians. We would come before your throne for mercy and grace. Hebrews 4, 16, get our mercy and grace. And if someone needs to, that they would have the courage and you would lead them to just the right person that can talk to them and help them. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you've given your life to Him in this time of prayer, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who's a Christian. Maybe you have a church or a Bible study or someone you can share with. If you don't, 
talk to me because I'll be excited and I'll get you connected with a good Bible study or some those Christians that will really go deep into the God's Word and help you to grow. And I will, I will help you so you can email me. I always say it every week, nhcc at comcast.net. And you can uh, get email me, but get tell someone so they can be excited for you and, and encourage you and help you grow in your faith. Very important they have someone come alongside of you and help you. And if you're struggling with something, you're struggling with someone something, I want to encourage you to tell someone. Talk to someone that you can trust to be confidential and to, and to persevere with you and to, and to just keep walking through it with you. But if, once again, if you need connecting with someone, email me nhcc at comcast.net and I will get you connected to a good Christian counselor or a good church or somebody that can help you to really grow uh, and break free of this and get your freedom. We don't get your freedom, get your healing. All right. So can't wait for next time. That's going to get even more exciting as we go. Wild stuff here. Okay. God bless. Have a great week.